All right, we are back. We got a little heavy-handed in that first segment, but how could we not when you talk about George Herbert Walker Bush? Well, I shouldn't say that. Everybody else in the universe seems to manage to avoid saying anything bad about George Herbert Walker Bush, who we should note in some well-documented pieces by Spy Magazine back in the 1990s had several mistresses. Let's instead jump ship radically and go to The Week magazine. In this case, the It Must Be True, I Read It in the Tabloid section. That should send things off in a different direction. Well, according to the magazine, a Dutch, quote, positivity guru, unquote, is seeking to change his age, legally change his age from 69 to 49, (laughs) arguing that he feels far younger than his years. Emil Redelbond asked a court in Arnheim to shift his birth date from March 11, 1949 to March 11, 1969, saying that if people can change their gender, why can't I decide my own age? Well, good point. Rattleband, who claims to have the body and mind of a young god, believes a later birth date will help him find love on dating apps. If you're 69 on Tinder, you're outdated, he said. When I'm 49 with the face I have, I will be in a luxurious position. Well, maybe. Maybe instead of changing his birth date, he should change his personality. Which reminds me of a joke. I can't remember who it was being said about, and I can't remember who said it, but the joke went as follows. For birth control, she depends on her personality. I'd like to note that we still intend to talk about Jane Mayer's book, Dark Money, in the not-too-distant future. It dovetails so perfectly with things going on across the country in, uh, in various jurisdictions where they're trying to limit the power of Democrats who won the election to do anything, where they're still gerrymandering. I saw a stat a couple days ago that in Wisconsin, the state assembly, where Republicans won 45% of the votes, saw 64% of the seats go to Republicans in gerrymandered districts. There's one election in a gerrymandered district in North Carolina that appears to be such an outrageous case of election fraud that election officials are just refusing to certify the election. Apparently a lot of folks went out on behalf of a particular candidate and gathered up absentee ballots, which they assured people that they'll, they would turn in for them. Reported they also helped people only mark a couple of the, the important choices and said, don't worry, we'll, we'll take care of the rest. We're not going to do that today. Instead... Let's jump at this juncture to our perennial favorite on this program, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Earlier of the week, it was a good week last week for British cats. With a warning from the UK's Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals that vegan pet owners who put their cats on a meat-free diet are, in fact, abusing them and maybe breaking the law. Pet owners in the UK are legally required to, quote, take reasonable steps to ensure that the pet's needs are met, unquote. The SPCA notes that cats are very strict carnivores. In fact, we stumbled on an article a couple months back, which we didn't talk about, um, noting that apparently cats everywhere are getting diabetes. 
Actually, I've heard this from a, uh, a veterinarian. Dry cat food is protein-rich, but it's not all meat. It's got a lot of cereal in it. And cereal is a lot of carbohydrate, and cats in the wild don't eat a whole hell of a lot of carbohydrate. So, on a diet of dry cat food, and I, maybe some wet cat food as well, they're getting sick. So our advice is give that vegan cat food a miss. It was, on the other hand, a bad week last week for new nicknames in the wake of President Trump tweeting, quote, so great that oil prices are falling, unquote. Adding as a personal note, quote, thank you, President T, unquote. <laughs> the week notes that so far that nickname has not caught on. Mr. Millen notes that it's important to keep in mind that this should be distinguished from Mr. T, President T. And it was an ugly week last week for personal responsibility with the news that two women who broke into a closed, a closed South Carolina amusement park at night are now suing for injuries sustained on one of the rides. Ali Mulcahy and Jillian McGovern each broke a leg and two ankles, each broke a leg and two ankles after hurtling down the park's pipeline slide. They are seeking damages from owners who they claim made their park too easy to break into and failed, quote, to install proper safety equipment to secure the pipeline slide when not in use, unquote. You know, dear listener, when you travel overseas, sooner or later you're going to have a conversation where someone's going to say, excuse me, I have a question. Is it true that in America you can sue if you're trying to, like, rob a high school and you fall through the skylight? And, of course, the answer is yes, it's true. Yes. Well, let's do a run-through of a few other items that were likewise reported in the week. How about this piece, which I believe we made some passing reference to a little while ago. Researchers in Brazil have discovered a colossal complex of more than 200 million termite mounds that stretch for thousands of miles in a remote semi-arid forest in northeastern Brazil. The complex covers more than 88,000 square miles, an area larger than Minnesota. The oldest mound is estimated to be nearly 4,000 years old. Standing up to 10 feet high and 30 feet wide, the conical mounds are not nests, but rather piles of waste from the insects' underground tunneling efforts. Someone did the math on this and noted that the amount of soil excavated is equivalent to 4,000 Great Pyramids of Giza. The tiny engineers responsible for this are only a half inch long. And idiots who take note of the fact that it would be a terrific idea if we all, we all stopped using cash should pay attention to the following item. China's Orwellian social credit system will be up and running by 2020 for all of Beijing's 22 million residents, authorities said last week. The state-run system is one of multiple public and private systems that evaluate individuals based on their financial credit, purchase history, and personal behavior. High scores get perks, like access to high-speed trains. Low scores may be blacklisted from certain forms of transportation. It's relatively easy to monitor people's spending in China, as most pay for everything through their cell phones. The government is also assigning business scores based on transparency and lack of corruption while another system will evaluate the trustworthiness of government officials by measuring whether their promises are fulfilled. And I got a feeling they're going to take that one down real fast. 
And here's a rather salacious news item. Apparently, Hugh Hefner made sure that after he passed, last year at age 91, a second casket would be buried at sea. This is according to The Sun in the UK. Reportedly, locked inside the specially made cement-lined, quote, casket, unquote, was the Playboy founder's sexual scrapbook, which included hours of sex tapes and thousands of nude photographs, reportedly featuring famous men and women who cavorted at his mansion. A source told the British tabloid, Hugh was terrified of the world finding out everything about his past, adding that Hefner kept a treasure chest of memories dating from the early 1950s. Hefter, who was described as an orgy enthusiast who dated multiple women at once, was spooked after seeing Pamela Anderson's sex tapes leaked. He then assigned the Playboy Mansion's head of security to dump his private stash into the ocean. And doggone it, I was going to try and move away from politics, wasn't I? By the way, I want to note that on next week's program, we're going to have at least, I hope, half the show devoted to some fun science. Phil Plate noted astronomer and purveyor, at least in the past, of badastronomy.com, will hopefully join us to talk about some of the developments going on out there in deep space and in our own solar system. That should be fun. But back to the grubby world of politics momentarily, and this again is another item that fits seamlessly into this discussion we're going to have about dark money. Writing in the Washington Post, Ray Madoff said, We don't know who was paying Matthew Whitaker, and that's a problem. Before he got appointed by President Trump as the country's new acting attorney general, Whitaker was paid $1.2 million as the head of a mysterious charity with just one employee. Him. This tax-exempt so-called charity, the Foundation for the Accountability and Civic Trust, or FACT, told the IRS in 2014 its mission was, quote, to develop unbiased research, unquote, into environmental regulations' impact on businesses. Whitaker, in fact, spent most of his time on highly partisan TV ads and radio appearances and attacking Hillary Clinton and other Democrats and later special counsel Robert Mueller. Facts funding, meanwhile, came from anonymous conservative benefactors through dark money contributions. I'll have more to say about that in the future. I do want to note one little personal note on Donald Trump, at least one generation removed. A good friend of mine dropped by the house a couple days back, started telling stories of the business world he inhabits, and mentioned, which I was not aware of, that he twice attended meetings with Donald Trump. This took place in one of Trump's offices in New York. It had to do with building a skyscraper. And all the people who's, well, you have to take care of to get anything done in the city of New York. My friend described many competing interests present at the meeting who all wanted to get, well, I guess getting their palms greased isn't, isn't quite the right description because some of them had legitimate negotiations to make. But my friend said Trump was very much in charge of the meeting, which he said, you know, it was extremely complex. He likened it to brain surgery. He said there was a lot going on, a lot of things that had to get done. Trump was in charge, and he seemed to be handling himself in a competent way. So there you have it. I realize that's not the Donald Trump we know, but like the blind men and the elephant, everything has different facets. You know, I'm trying not to do politics, but I'd like to note in passing that the math on President Trump's claims of a $110 billion arms deal with the Saudis apparently doesn't add up. 
at abcnews.com, Tara Palmieri, an ABC investigator, revealed that the $110 billion number was inflated at the direction of Trump's son-in-law and Saudi advisor, Jared Kushner. Government officials initially told Kushner that realistically they had about $15 billion worth of deals in the works. This was based on Saudi interest in the THAAD anti-ballistic missile system and the maintenance of other this system. But the THAAD order has not been fulfilled, and the Saudis bypassed a September deadline for that purchase. $15 billion or $110 billion? You make the call. I think I mentioned in last week's program, or maybe the program before, that I wanted to take a look at who was producing this piece of propaganda that appeared in my local 7-Eleven called the Epic Times. Well, a little noodling around on the internet reveals that it is apparently a production of the Falun Gong, which I thought was a little bit odd. They're, they're pretty tough on the Chinese in this paper, that, that's, that's for sure. Which, which seems okay, you know, to us, up to a point. I think when Xi Jinping announces that, you know, by God, I think I'm just going to get rid of term limits and, and be president for life, if you don't mind. That's probably deserving of some criticism. But the shameless way that it is supporting the Trump administration and, 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 and trying to put a positive spin on everything going on related to, you know, things like the situation with Saudi Arabia. They did, they did show a picture of Trump meeting with Mohammed bin Salman and also included a picture right below it of Jamal Khashoggi. It just didn't mention anything about the fact that he'd been killed. So it's my suspicion that Falun Gong has been co-opted by other interests. Perhaps some shadowy billionaires with billions to spend. I don't know. I do know that organized groups can be co-opted for other purposes. Case in point, the Reverend Sung Mung Moon had quite a little worldwide operation going on that was religious in nature, but also was apparently affiliated with the Korean CIA also affiliated with the American CIA. Politics does make for some strange bedfellows. One set of strange bedfellows, or actually terrifying set of bedfellows, is, is this linkage between Silicon Valley, the tech industry, which is controlling so many aspects and monitoring so many aspects of our life, and the intelligence agencies, which want to have backdoors, which, well, when you're monitoring data like that, I mean... The Internet grew out of a, a DARPA project, did it not? Isn't it inherently linked in with surveillance? And these days, isn't it inherently linked in with Wall Street? It seems to be. There's all this chit-chat about, you know, stocks taking a beating, stocks going up, stocks going down in that great casino of, of, uh, of New York and the world. You start to wonder sometimes if people do the right thing and rein in some technologies. Well, that affect the stock price in a negative way? That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? The fact of the matter is, Google employees are protesting their own Project Dragonfly at the moment. Article by Levy Sumagese in the East Bay Times notes that Google employees have stepped up their campaign against a planned search engine in China, with dozens signing their names to a public letter urging the company to drop Project Dragonfly. Also Tuesday, Amnesty International launched a petition urging Google to drop Project Dragonfly. The Silicon Valley giant closed down search engines in China back in 2010 after that nation attacked Gmail and other sites 
in his efforts to crack down on Chinese human rights activists. But over the summer, The Intercept has reported that Google plans to revive its search engine in China and would blacklist certain search terms to comply with that nation's laws. That doesn't sound so nice. And I know sounding nice is important to Silicon Valley companies. <laughs> I just, I had to laugh at uh, a biotech company operating out of the Bay Area. It's called Finless Foods. And uh, there's headlines associated with this company noting that, that scientists are now fishing for cell-based substitutes for bluefin tuna. The article notes that for several years now, biotech companies have been promising clean meat, cell-based meat, cultured meat, whatever you want to call it, as a way to enjoy the taste of chicken, pork, and beef without the brutality of animal slaughter or the environmental damage of big agriculture. And of course, I guess it was only a matter of time before somebody mentioned fish. In this case, bluefin tuna. The article notes that uh, this startup is promising to free us from the guilt of gobbling down a finger of Otoro Sushi, the rich bluefin belly meat, without contributing to the decline of the fish or the decline of our own health via mercury, etc. You know, in theory, this is a great idea. I, I'm really concerned about the possibility that poke is now becoming a fad. There are only so many tuna in the sea, and if everyone's eating poke, it's not going to be long before they're gone. So we wish them well in the cell culture business, but, then, but at the moment it seems they probably have a long way to go. And of course, uh, genetically modified organisms are still in the news, and uh, they're not going to go away. That's for doggone sure. There's another piece I saw, a glowing article about the potential of, uh, of breakthrough technologies and how they can make citruses, citrus fruit, and other foods from plants and, and animals uh, improved with uh, DNA editing. I'm disturbed by the fact that the U.S. National Academy of Sciences has declared that gene editing is one of the breakthroughs needed to improve food production so the world can feed billions more people amid a changing climate. You know what's a really bad idea? Adding billions more people. This is an issue everyone seems to want to ignore. I was talking to a friend recently about the fact that India has a remarkable concentration of humanity. It wouldn't be good if the rest of the world had a similar concentration of humanity. I know many years back, P.G. O'Rourke took a scoffing view at, at overpopulation and did an analysis of Bangladesh, noting that the city of Fremont, California, had the same population density as Bangladesh. He went to both locations to compare and contrast. I don't think it was a brilliant piece of writing. You know, the fact of the matter is the population of Bangladesh is similar to that of India. I know that. And India itself, which no longer includes what is now Pakistan and Bangladesh, um, has a population that exceeds that of the Western Hemisphere. There are more people in India than live in the Western Hemisphere. Think about that for a minute. Anyway, we'll have more to say about gene editing tools in, in the future. Well, in fact, we'll have more to say right now. Because over in China, scientists are claiming that they've now produced the first genetically altered humans. And yes, the physicist, the physicist who's claiming this gene editing of babies did research right here at Stanford. It's been noted that uh, he discussed ethics when he was here at Stanford with a bioethicist and even revealed his plans to do what he hoped to do with editing human beings to a UC Berkeley geneticist who urged him not to. 
a lot of people are asking, well, when, when are we going to do that here? We need to start producing babies that are smarter and better athletes and better looking and all sorts of other whims of the parents. That'd be great. Well, it's illegal in America, in case you don't know. This comes down to a one-sentence amendment to a critical 878-page funding budget. Nations vary widely in, uh, in how they regulate this technology, and some don't seem to be regulating it much at all. This CRISPR technology is powerful stuff, and it's going to be not only used, but misused. I think that seems pretty unavoidable. And how's this in regards to the unavoidable misuse of technology? <laughs> uh, story, Dateline coming out of Redwood City, California. Article in the San Francisco Chronicle, Saturday, December 1st. Under the headline, Allegedly Asleep at the Wheel at 70 miles per hour. The subheadline is CHP, Tesla sped in autopilot mode as driver slept. To quote from the piece, when a pair of California Highway Patrol officers pulled alongside a car cruising down Highway 101 in Redwood City before dawn Friday, they reported a shocking sight, a man fast asleep behind the wheel. The car was a Tesla. The man was a Los Altos planning commissioner. And the ensuing freeway stop turned into a complex seven-minute operation in which officers had to outsmart the vehicle's autopilot system because the driver was unresponsive. The arrest of 48-year-old Alexander Samick on suspicion of drunken driving registered questions about the uses and potential abuses of self-driving technology. Officers observed Samick's gray Tesla Model S around 3.30 as it sped at 70 on Highway 101. That's according to Art Montel, a CHP spokesman. Officers pulled up next to the car. They saw, allegedly saw Samick asleep, but the car was moving straight, leading them to believe it was in autopilot mode. The officers slowed the car down after running a traffic brake with an offer behind Samick turning on emergency lights before driving across all lanes of the highway in an S-shaped path to slow traffic down behind the Tesla. Another officer drove a patrol car directly in front of Samick before gradually slowing down, prompting the Tesla to slow down as well and eventually come to a stop in the middle of the highway north of the Embarcadero exit in Palo Alto, about seven miles from where the stop was initiated. Authorities say the entire operation took about seven minutes. Officers then walked up to the Tesla and attempted to wake up Samick by knocking on the windows and giving verbal commands. Montel said after Samick woke up and got out of the Tesla, he was placed in the back of the patrol car and taken off the freeway. It was noted that, it was noted that Tesla, whose autopilot technology assists in steering, changing lanes, and parking, has seen its vehicles involved in several notable accidents in the last few years. The company has declined to comment on the incident. On its website, Tesla notes that its autopilot technology is not synonymous with self-driving cars or autonomous vehicles, and that drivers must keep their hands on the wheel at all times. William Biggs, professor of transportation technology and engineering at University of San Francisco, said most cars have some variation of autonomous features, and as the technology advances, people will feel more comfortable being distracted when driving, saying, quote, the software and technology are so good that humans are going to violate it, unquote. So please, don't try this at home or on Highway 101 or any other highway. Is anybody concerned about the fact that the Marriott 
corporation has admitted that there were half a billion, 500 million identities that were stolen. Not even the worst of it. At first, my understanding was they couldn't decide whether this was 500 million different people or 500 individual cases of people staying at a Marriott that got hacked into. Personally, I don't see how it could be that, you know, 500 million different people have stayed at the Marriott. But uh, I'm not an expert. Then again, I have stayed at the Marriott and wonder what's been done with my data. Oh, my. All right, we got about two minutes left. Let's, let's lighten things up here somehow. Well, it isn't the lightest thing in the world, the potential of sexual harassment. But we do have to ask, in closing, is leering sexual harassment? Dateline Palo Alto. Stanford University decided last week that a math lecturer may have made a group of former wrestlers uncomfortable when he routinely showed up to shower with the team years ago, but said there was not sufficient evidence to show it was, in fact, sexual harassment. The decision comes a day after news organizations reported Seven former wrestlers had come forward earlier this year to complain that the lecturer, Hung Lee, I'm not making this up, (laughs) Hung Lee would follow them into showers after practice and leer at them. And that some of the coaches knew of this behavior and did nothing to stop it. Both Lee and the coaches have disputed these claims. But somewhere along the way, investigators interviewed more than 30 individuals, including former wrestlers and coaches. Stanford's statement included the following. Many of the wrestlers interviewed were not discomforted by the individual's conduct. Some were, and others reflected that any discomfort they experienced was a product of their own relative immaturity at the time. Well, there you have it. You're a young man, you're in the shower, a guy shows up conveniently at shower time and leers at you, and that reflects your own immaturity. (sighs) We here at Radio Parallax are still waiting for that... um, Gary Hart movie to come out, The Front Runner. Uh, it's sort of especially ironic, that movie about the 1988 run-up to the presidential election. Gary Hart did not become the Democratic nominee. They went instead with Michael Dukakis. I think Gary Hart would have beaten George Herbert Walker Bush. Well, that's a silly thing to say in a way because he got taken out before he even had the chance to run. So maybe he wouldn't have done so well. History will record that he didn't do very well. Hart himself says, I bear a very heavy burden of responsibility. If I had been elected, there would have been no Gulf War. George Herbert Walker Bush wouldn't have been president. George W. Bush wouldn't have been president. Everything would have changed. I don't say that to aggrandize myself. It's just history changed. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week on the program, hopefully with a lively discussion with Phil Plate. <laughs>